passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This episode, episode 145 of the For the Love of the Game show on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball's full steam ahead. Got both NBA and college hoops action. The NCAA tournament and March Madness is right around the corner. And Bet Online is the perfect place for all your sports betting action for the rest of this year. Head over to the website or your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo. Promo code believe that's B L E A V to get started and get your 50% welcome bonus. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your number one source for betting action on hockey, boxing, UFC, Olympics, you name it. They got you covered bet online where the game starts with that said episode 145 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Swinging them hips when you pass. I'm visualizing my name tattooed on that ass, baby. Jump on this Harley, let's go smoke some of that Bob Marley. Sip some Bacardi, then go pull up at the after party. I think we make a perfect couple, but you think I'm trouble. Maybe that's the reason you gave me the wrong number. She got me feeling like maybe she the wrong one. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 145 for the love of the game. It's your boy Aaron Tobin has ATH back in the saddle. So we're in a little bit of a sports lull right now. We're going to do something a little bit different. Well, not really different, but for those of you who've been listening to my show know, or I should say, should expect what's coming right now. We're going to catch up with what's going on in The Bachelor because it's getting a little juicy. But just to recap what's gone on in sports since the last episode. So the Super Bowl has come and went. 23-20, the Los Angeles Rams, an exciting game, even though it was not the most clean game, most well-played game or the most well-coached game, but nonetheless, an exciting game. The big takeaway here is Aaron Donald, right? Aaron Donald has cemented himself as one of the great, great, great defensive players in the history of the sport, right? You probably heard a lot about the other analysis with the Super Bowl and the X's and O's and what happened and whatnot. But the one thing I want to say is that Aaron Donald has now put himself on the short list, basically top two or three defensive players of all time. In eight years in the NFL, eight Pro Bowls, Seven-time All-Pro first team, a Super Bowl champion, three Defensive Players of the Year awards, all-decade team for the 2010s, okay? In eight years, all of that. And he made the two biggest plays of the game at the end of the game to ensure that the Rams won because if he didn't make that tackle on third and one, 
And if he didn't get to Joe Burrow in time, Jamar Chase was open. He had beaten Jalen Ramsey. It was going to be touchdown for the Bengals and the Bengals were going to win. So Aaron Donald, this is the crowning achievement on his career. An unbelievable career so far. Eight years, almost unparalleled. Besides for Lawrence Taylor and Deion Sanders, I can't think of a better defensive player in the history of the sport than Aaron Donald. Now, again, I'm only 35 years old, so I don't go back to Dick Buckus. I don't go back to Deacon Jones or whatever. But, I mean, the accolades speak for themselves. I got to push back, and I love Aaron Donald. Everybody loves Aaron Donald, but I got to push back on something. Talking about that he's the greatest defensive player of all time. Lawrence Taylor won the most valuable player of the NFL for an entire season playing defense. Okay. Now there are levels to this and Aaron Donald's knocking on that door, but for right now, Lawrence Taylor still holds the crown. So congratulations to the Rams, even though they basically have no fans in Los Angeles. And if you saw the parade, basically it validates everything I've said about Los Angeles. It's not a sports town. It's an events town that loves the Lakers. All right. I mean, that was a little bit pathetic. It was a pathetic showing with their fans at the Super Bowl. It was a pathetic showing with their fans at the NFC title game. But congratulations to the Rams. They went all in and they won. And that's what matters. And Aaron Donald, just unbelievable. So then we had NBA All-Star Weekend this past weekend. It was a pretty good All-Star Weekend for the most part, except for the dunk contest. The dunk contest was lousy, like really, really lousy. Congrats to Obi Toppin for winning it, but it just lost its luster. We need John Morant. We need Anthony Edwards. We need Zach Levine back. We need Aaron Gordon. There you go. All right. Then it's must-see TV because this was really, really bad. Really, really bad. But the All-Star game was exciting. I mean, Steph Curry put on an absolute clinic. The sheer shooting skill from him is just absurd. He hit that teardrop floater from the baseline. He basically threw it up 16 feet in the air and it dropped right in. He pumped fake from half court, one dribble inside the logo, cash. Just absurd. 50 points, 16 threes, like ridiculous, ridiculous. An exciting All-Star game. LeBron finished it off with the turnaround jumper to get to the target score. The Elam ending has been great for the All-Star game. Overall, a really, really good All-Star weekend. But the biggest takeaway of this All-Star weekend, and again, this was a year, it's the 75th anniversary for the NBA. So the NBA had its top 75 list, its diamond team. The biggest takeaway is that Michael Jordan is still the most alpha of all the alpha males. He's still the biggest draw and the biggest name in the history of the sport. You saw it with the ovation that he got from the crowd. He still gets the biggest ovation. He's announced last. There's a reason for that because he is the greatest player of all time, all right? You should see when he walks into a room, everybody grovels at his feet, all right? They bow down, they kiss the ring because he's the best. So LeBron James and his team, Rich Paul and Clutch, they can say whatever they want. Talking about LeBron had a tougher road because he was under the microscope at age of 14 with social media at a tougher road. No one cares all right no one cares michael jordan is the greatest player to ever play and there's nothing that lebron james can do given how his career is unfolded that is going to change that it doesn't matter that lebron james will be the all-time leading scorer he's gonna pass cream abdul jabbar no one cares it doesn't matter because jordan's peak and his 15 years were better than lebron james's best 15 years that's just it. It's done. It's done. I don't want to hear the debates. I don't want to hear the LeBron fanboys telling me, but oh my God, he's a more complete player. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. There's nothing 
that LeBron James could do better than Michael Jordan. Nothing. The game has changed. If Jordan was able to play the way that LeBron plays and given the ball the way LeBron has had the ball, he could put up the same stats, the same assist numbers, the same rebound numbers, but he didn't do that because it benefited the team. Maybe that's why he won six rings and LeBron, well, he doesn't have six rings. It's over and done with. It's over and done with. LeBron is great. He is one of the five greatest players of all time. He's not Michael Jordan and he never will be. So just put the narrative to bed. Just put it to bed. And you can tell that it bothers LeBron because he constantly brings it up, constantly is talking about it in the media or his camp is talking about it in the media. And it just goes to show you that he's never going to be on that level. He can't get there. And that's okay. That's okay. He's great in his own right. Kobe Bryant had this thing too early on when he thought he was going to catch Mike. You're not catching Mike. Kobe realized it, and he stopped with the nonsense. LeBron James has yet to stop with the nonsense. He doubles down with the nonsense, and it's just feeble because it's never happening in the eyes of NBA fans. It's never happening. Nick Wright aside, who's one of the biggest losers in sports media, Nick Wright aside, it's accepted. It is what it is. LeBron, you can't get there, and that's okay. From some Jordan comparison nonsense to this other LeBron nonsense, Talking about he's not opening, I should say, he's not closing the door on the return to Cleveland. He wants to play one year with his son, Bronny, which I think is going to happen because LeBron is going to force a GM's hand to draft Bronny so that they get LeBron for a year. I think that's happening. But this notion that he wants to return to Cleveland and he's unhappy with the Lakers, given what they did in the trade deadline, is so absurd. Is so absurd because he handcuffed the Lakers. Right. He pushed for the Westbrook trade. And I'm not saying that everything is Westbrook's fault for the Lakers, but all the depth was gone when they made that trade. They had no out. So if it didn't work seamlessly, this is your team. The Lakers are prudent for not trading their 2027 first round pick because LeBron's going to be gone and the team's going to be bad and they want to be able to rebuild. LeBron put them in this predicament. And this is the same bullshit that he does in every stop. He holds the GM and the front office to the fire because he pushes for something and then it backfires. And then all of a sudden he's just like, I'm out. More of the same nonsense. The Cleveland Cavaliers should stay away from LeBron James. Just stay away. He was great for you. He won you a title. That's great. You don't need the headache that is LeBron James, especially now that he's 37 years old. And when he's eligible for an extension and he was done with this contract, he's going to be 39. You don't need the headache. Cleveland, stay away. Just more ridiculous from LeBron. He's such an insufferable douchebag and so hard to root for, as great of a basketball player as he is. And it's just more of the same. Anyway, that's just a little bit of an opener. And now I'm going to bring on a recurring guest. We're going to talk about a little bachelor. You know who it is. You love these episodes. We're going to get to her in just a matter of moments. This episode of the For the Love of the Game show on the Believe Podcast Network is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people are taking multivitamins, but it is really important to choose the right one and one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and such. 75 
75. That's a lot. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Just turned 35. I still like to be active. Recovery for me is super important. And that's why you got to try Athletic Greens. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Just one scoop cup of water. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and a free travel pack with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V to take advantage of this promotion. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. This episode is also brought to you by NordVPN. What is more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that face you today when you're on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN service you can get. And that is NordVPN. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe and use promo code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get 70% off your NordVPN Plus, one additional month free. It's risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN, be safe online. I mentioned it before in the monologue, sports are in a little bit of a lull right now. NBA is coming back from All-Star Weekend. NHL is still rolling. We've got college basketball. Major League Baseball is still in a lockout. So, we are bringing back on a recurring guest, one of my favorite recurring guests, to talk about The Bachelor because we're down to the final four. We're going to hometowns. Lizzie is back. Lizzie, what's good? I'm so happy to be here. I feel like there's so much to talk about, even though there have only been like two episodes since the last time we spoke, but a lot to unpack. Well, this last episode was really was really something. We're going to get to that in a second. But before we do, I just wanted to recap something. So Shanae. Shanae had the two-on-one with her and Genevieve at Niagara Falls. Shanae was like villain number one in the house. She was making fun of the girl that had ADHD. That's how she became a true villain. Then we had Shrimpgate. She turned out to be a psychopath. There's somebody who I had my eye on. Like, I kind of liked her in the beginning because, like, she's cute. She has a personality. But how many Bachelor villains are more villainous than Shanae? Because from the time that I started watching, I can't remember more than two or three women that I've grown to hate more than I've grown to hate Shanae. But having said that, I think Shanae would be a fun-ass time in paradise. Yeah, I think she definitely goes down in the history books because she seems to be one of the most intentional villains. A lot of times it feels like they edit people to be the villains. This seemed extremely intentional. I mean, she said multiple times how she's Meryl Streep and how she's an actress and she's had him wrapped around her finger. Of course, those are always the people that go to paradise unless she doesn't like her edit. But I think she seems so self-involved that she's going to love the chance to go there. I think she'll be like a top player in paradise. She's got a lot of tools going for her when it comes to paradise, right? You know, she's got looks, she's got personality. She's not afraid to mix it up. I'm sure when you throw some libations in there, she's nuts. 
like her performance on this show was was something else. I mean, really something else. Like I, I don't remember another contestant who like went after somebody for you know a mental condition and just like preyed upon it and was so out of touch with reality in terms of like her being in the wrong and her just like not seeing it. Like it was crazy. Yeah, and Clayton has, like, since it's aired, like, put out some statements on Instagram saying, like, he feels terrible, like, you know, the what he saw was, wasn't was what he now sees. There was a little bit of controversy because one of the girls from his season, I think it was Lindsay, made some kind of TikTok after saying that's not true, he did know. I don't really believe that. But, yeah, I mean, I can imagine looking, watching this back and being like, oh, my God, how was I so stupid that I didn't see this? But we know that they show them different sides and they only see a snippet of what right. the people actually are. It was dumbfounding. Like, it was really, like, astonishing how terrible she became. Like, it really just truly, truly awful. And I, I can't even imagine what Women Tell All is going to be like when everybody's back in the room and she's there. Like, it's probably going to be vicious, absolutely vicious. And it really, really killed the chances of so many other contestants. It was like a kamikaze pilot. She, like, just took and everybody she, and she, out. And she was saying it. She was like, now I got this girl sent home and it's going to be this girl next. I think at Women Tell All, besides the women talking to her and, like, going crazy, I think Clayton's actually going to have a lot to say to her and is going to like tell her off. So let me ask you this though, right? Because obviously she's a toxic person and a terrible person. Maybe she was playing it up for TV or whatnot, whatever. Who knows her ulterior motives? But if you're the other females in the house, like don't you have to do a little bit of a better job not mixing it up with her? Yes and no. I mean, I think maybe in the beginning when there's so many people, yes. But at a certain point, I mean, she made it pretty far considering how terrible she was. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're in small spaces. And I feel like she's the type that even if you didn't try to engage her, she would insert herself on purpose. I think these girls, it seemed like they were trying to avoid her, but she just kept inserting herself. Well, thank goodness she was gone. Because, like, after that two-on-one, you're just like, I can't see how she's brought back. If she's being brought back, we know it's strictly because ABC's telling him to bring her back because she's nuts. And that's it. But there was a little bit of authenticity in that moment where you're just like, all right. There, but I will tell you, I, yeah, but I was a little concerned, honestly, because at least from what they showed us on TV, it didn't seem like from the two on one, there was any indication that he wasn't going to choose her. Like Genevieve didn't really say much about her, was kind of just like, I'm caught off guard that you would say I'm an actress, but didn't really say anything about Shanae. So I was actually very concerned that he was going to pick Shanae. You really thought that he was going to pick Shanae? Yeah. Wow. I was just like, there's no chance. Like, and again, maybe because because we're seeing it from a different lens, but I was just like, he can't continue the charade. She's an absolute lunatic. Yeah. We're going to get yeah. to that actress in Genevieve in just a second. So, OK, so Shanae is gone. They go to Vienna. Right. And now we have the whole thing with Sarah. Sarah was getting a lot of love, two two-on-ones. But again, Sarah had this little bit of confidence or arrogance to her, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. But what was your take on the Sarah situation? So there was always something about her that I didn't get. 
I was, you know, she was very into her Mary from the very beginning. And I get that she's pretty, but she didn't do it for me. And I just thought maybe she's not my type, you know, I, I wasn't into her. And I think that maybe we would have seen, because it seemed like this was a, a much more deep-seated issue, but I think we didn't really see it so much because of all the Shanae stuff. It really just overshadowed any other potential drama. Because when Nara was bringing this all to light, Everyone seemed to rally around her very quickly. It didn't seem like there were opposing thoughts on this. It seemed like everyone was on the same page. Just Mara was the only one in the beginning that was being very vocal about it. And it seemed like they had very obvious tension. So it leads me to believe that she was always like this and they always didn't like her. But because the Shanae stuff was so in the forefront, we didn't even see it. So they kept on bringing up her confidence, right? Is that really something to not like about somebody? Now, I get it. I get it. Like, I didn't see it either, right? She was not my cup of tea either. But, like, you're trying to win a contest, right? Like, you're trying to win something here. Well, You I have think to have a different. certain confidence, right? But I think there's a difference between... I don't think they were talking about just your regular everyday confidence that everyone thinks someone should have and like it's attractive in a partner. I think it was confidence or really probably cockiness in her relationship with Clayton in the sense of probably similar to Shanae. I'm a front runner or whoever said that in one of the old seasons. I'm the front runner. Everyone else is behind me. And it seems like she really was trying to kind of get into everyone's mind and manipulate them into thinking that she was, whether or not she actually thought that was true, to psych everyone else out. So I don't think it's really confidence. I think it's cockiness. So like, why is that a bad thing, though? Now, again, if you think she's coming off like that she's not genuine and, you know, that that she's playing a role here and that she's doing it for the cameras, I get that. But on the surface, right, if you're trying to win something, is it the whole point to do that? But I'm not saying she did it great, but like, you know, the other contestants kind of either just have to let it slide and play your own game and, and try and forge your own relationships and not care so much. Like, why are we caring so much? Well, I think there are two parts of it. I think one part is just that, again, like you can have a lot of these other girls, like Rachel, to me, seems like the clear front runner from the beginning. That doesn't mean you should be going around saying, hi, everyone, he's going to pick me. You could feel confident in your relationship with him. I don't think that means you have to go around telling people. I think the other aspect is it seemed like she was actively trying to get in their heads and manipulate them. And I think they realized that none of the other girls, Gabby isn't going around whispering in Rachel's ear how good her connection is. I actually think overwhelmingly, this group of girls seem to be, besides these few outliers, very supportive of each other. Like when one of them gets a one-on-one, the other one's like, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. And I do think- Hold on, hold on one second. But that's so weird. You're fighting for the same guy, right? For example, if you and your friends, right, you found out that your friend was talking to like the same hinge match, for example, right? And you didn't realize it before. And then all of a sudden it's become like a little bit of a a competition, right? But But you can't compare that because this is, you're going in knowing you're dating the same guy. This is the game. These people are together and they are having an experience that no one else can understand except them. And they forge these really close relationships. I actually think it's very 
like grounded and realistic of them the way they react it's like yeah of course would they rather be the one getting the one-on-one yeah but the girls that got the one-on-one already assume that a girl who didn't get one is going to get it before then and they all talk to each other about their feelings and express it and they like their friends and their friend is happy that they're getting one so they're happy for them I don't think it means they're not like in the game to win it I think it's just like they really are genuinely care about each other And I think the difference is, is that the top four, let's say they're all very focused on their relationship with Clayton and they're not focused on the other girls' relationships. Sarah seemed to be more focused on telling everyone else about her relationship than actually her relationship. Right. And and that's ultimately why I think she got sent home. But a part of me just wants a little more authenticity. And I get it. You're in this house, you're in this experience and you're making friends with somebody with a bunch of different people and you see the relationships form because you see it if you follow all the contestants on Instagram, right? They seem to be cool with each other afterwards. But you're also trying to date the same guy and you're trying to win. Like you should be playing to win. And I find myself saying this every time I watch this show. For guys, I think it's even crazier for whatever reason. You could be happy for your friends, but like I want you to like express fully. It's just like, I'm jealous of this person right now. Right. You saw it a little bit when Susie came back from the one on one date and she's got all the shopping bags. We're going to talk about shopping dates in a second. But like how everybody was like, oh, my God, you look great. You look beautiful. It's a beautiful dress. Like I want somebody to be, you know, have that one on one moment and be like, I fucking hate Susie right now because I want that for me. Right. But they do say that sometimes. Yeah, but See, it's I not actually... enough. It's not enough. Like there needs you're trying to develop feelings for somebody for the same guy. How is there not more hostility? Listen, I you know what? I'm happy for your sake you haven't gone on yet because you clearly haven't listened to any of my tips because I actually disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think playing the game and playing the game to win is exactly the opposite of what you said. It's internally feeling jealous. Of course, they all feel like that. But it's specifically not verbalizing it, nor to him, nor to everyone else, keeping under the radar, making sure you're friends with everyone and you don't cause any problems. And by saying those things out loud is what causes the hostility. I'm sure every single girl feels that. But playing the game correctly and playing the game to win is to not talk about it. Well, I don't think you should be talking about it to him. like Even to each other. That's how this drama starts. No, even to you're you're right. You're right about that. But- if you're going to get out, you know, you have those one-on-one camera shots. I feel like those are in confidence, right? They do say that. I think Gabby made a comment about it. Like, you will hear them say it, but it also depends on how ABC wants to edit it. I'm sure a lot of them said a lot of things, but That's if true. they want to make That's sure true. that Sarah is the villain and Sinead is the villain, then they're probably not going to show those parts. And they may be edited to make it seem like everybody's more buddy-buddy than they are. And yeah, I'm sure they have B-roll of every girl saying every possible thing, and they choose to air what makes sense with the narrative they want. All right, so now we get to the one-on-one. So we, we teased it a little bit with Susie, right? And we've seen this date throughout seasons. Is this date a good idea? Is it a good idea to have when you have six women there where one gets a one-on-one and she gets the shopping spree date? What do we think about this date? Because 
I'm sure that it can engender good feelings with everybody else. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. So I have a few thoughts on the shopping date. First thing just to note, in his bachelor history, usually the person that gets the shopping date is in top two. But yeah, I don't Becca think they Coop- win. No, Becca Cooper got it. I mean, she ended up not winning long term, but she did win. The other thing is they make it seem like the bachelor is treating them. No, ABC is treating you like your life is not going to be Clayton giving you shopping sprees. It's like, oh my God, and he showered me with gifts. Like, he's not paying for any of this. Like, this has nothing to do with it. Why? They they think people, do people actually think that Clayton's pulling out a blackboard? No, it's not that they think that, but the way they make the date happen, it's supposed to be like a pretty woman date. But the point of pretty woman is that Richard Gere is actually paying for all that stuff and can have a lifestyle like that. So I just find it very silly when they do that. And then they're coming home and they're like, Clayton got me all this stuff. No, ABC got you all this stuff. Like Clayton don't there. have it like that. You don't yeah, have Clayton, it like that. Yeah, when 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 you guys finish this season, he's going to make you sell all that for the money that he needs. Yes, I mean, I think it obviously is a date that's going to breed jealousy. I don't remember. I feel like when Becca Kufrin did it, it was earlier on in the season. So there weren't as few women left. To be honest, when she came home, like, I think they were less jealous of her time with Clayton and more the fact that she just got all those beautiful clothing to take off. Yeah, I, I think that's true, too. It's just a weird date. In what world, when when somebody, you know, if we're trying to make this like about really finding love, right? When you're you're courting somebody and considering how quickly things move in this show, right? The timing of it all. When would you ever go on a shopping spree date with somebody that you're dating within like the first two and a half months like that? It's just, you're dating a sugar daddy, then you do. Yeah, okay, fine. And then, then there are other things involved. We don't have to go into that. But like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, but let, all of these dates are outrageous. Are you going bungee jumping on the second date either? Or a helicopter but at ride? Least, but, okay, but at least that's like, no, you're not. But that's a TV activity. Shopping is not a TV activity. I mean, I'll agree with you only in the sense of the point of all these dates are to show the bachelor or bachelorette something about the purse, the contestant. So if you go in a helicopter or the patient has a fear of heights and you go bungee jumping, that it could show you how they react. I don't really know what a shopping spree date shows them in nice clothing and maybe some humility if they feel embarrassed about it or just like spending time together doing something in theory menial, like you would go shopping with someone, not a shopping spree, but kind of an everyday activity. Uh I think it's more just like an ABC gimmick. They do it every season and every girl likes to watch other girls dress up in beautiful clothing. I think Susie handled herself great on the date. Perfectly. Like she nailed it to a T. Like you want somebody who's like humble about it, who's not just like expecting any of this. Like she absolutely crushed the southern charm, the whole thing. Like, like but that's why they picked her. Think about the girls that were left. She was the perfect person for it. Well, we're gonna get to Genevieve in a little bit. But Genevieve would have been a terrible selection for this. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. And then the group date that happened after that, right, which is the therapy (laughs) session, which we'll get to. What are we doing here? But Mara, we spoke about Sarah and Mara was the antagonist, right? 
Mm-hmm. Why was Mara on this long? Why? I mean, I think there are always those. So if you've listened or listened or read anything that old Bachelor or Bachelorettes have spoken about, they usually say that there's always at least usually one person that makes it till around top eight or so that the audience never understands why. We see that they don't have a particular connection. They haven't spent a lot of time together. You don't really know why. Usually the response is, I knew they weren't going to be my person, but they were really funny. I had a lot of fun with them. They got along with everyone. So I knew I had to keep people around. So I kept them around. I feel like that was Mara. They probably had a fun time together when they were alone. She got along with most of the girls. She was funny sometimes. And he was like, why not? He knew she was not picking her. But she didn't even check any of those boxes, right? They may have well, spoken. Well, for you, but you no, don't know. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying even on the show, like, it didn't seem like they ever had fun. Now, they may have had fun off camera, but I just, given Mara's personality that they showed on the show, she doesn't seem like the fun type at all. You don't know what they were like alone. I'm pretty sure it was Caitlin Bristow, I think. And it was Tanner, Jaden Tanner. He also was like eighth or something like that. And we never saw anything between them. Like definitely not anything romantic. And then when she was asked about it after, she said something to the effect of like, well, like we had fun together when we were together. Like there wasn't really a romantic connection, but like, why not keep them along? And maybe they just did her wrong on the edit, but she just reeked of desperation the entire time. But they made her seem like that because the only thing they had her talk about was her age, her age, her age, and comparing herself to someone who's 10 years younger than her. Prepared to be a wife. Like, uh, we talk about Sarah on the one hand, but, like, the girl who always says, I'm prepared to be a wife, never wins either. I mean, I hate, I hate the age conversation. Age doesn't mean anything. You could be 21 and be ready to ready for marriage you could be 40 and not be ready i hate when they bring it up it is so silly it means nothing and you're right that the people who usually bring it up are not ready and they, whatever and they that never went like like you can't win saying that like i'm so ready to be a spouse and this person isn't like that person never ever goes far never ever goes yeah. far also in age doesn't mean that it means nothing how old is clayton by the way 28 so he's right in between the two of them. Right, he's right. Okay, so yeah. he splits the difference. That's not so bad. Yeah. Okay, so now that Mara's out of the way, she was just annoying. Like, we had enough of her, way more of her than we needed. We have the group date, the group therapy session. Right. We talked about the shopping date and why they do the shopping date. Is this really what we want to see? You know why they did the therapy date. They did the therapy date for Genevieve. That is 100% why they did it. That's it. Like, it didn't matter about anyone else. That is what they wanted to bring light to. I'm sure in all of her pre-interviews before they accept her onto the show, she expressed the fact she's not good about talking about her feelings. I'm sure it has torpedoed every relationship she's had in the past. She said she's never been to therapy and she hates therapy. And therefore, when it comes to the point where she's towards the end, they bring in the therapist to break her. All right, two things. One, let's talk about this therapist okay mm-hmm. she may have been the worst therapist in the history of therapists you don't think bbc told her what questions to ask i don't know but when she said i forget they were talking about like i forget who it was or she was like yeah i had a complex relationship with my mother where i never felt love and then immediately, that wasn't genevieve that was gabby right oh I'm, okay oh. But I'm, 
I'm talking about the therapist. And then immediately, like straight out of like the cliche movie, tell me about your father. You I was that like, that happened. what is this? No, but you think that happened in order? That's how they spliced it. I'm sure they had a long conversation about her mom and what that meant. I don't know. That was like, it was really like quick right afterwards. It, you could splice the TV that well. Like that was. And they are pros. They are My pros. God, that was so, that was rough. I was just like, what is this? What is No, I had nothing to do with her being a good therapist or not a good therapist. I'm sure they spliced it because I'm sure they wanted to get as much out of Gabby about her relationship with her mom as possible. And they decided that that was just the piece they were going to play. By the way, the, the reason they probably wanted to get her dad in, in terms of conversation, is because now we know she's going to hometown and that's probably who he's going to meet. And right. she has not spoken about her dad at all. So that's probably why they wanted to make sure they inserted that. I mean, that line, that immediate, tell me about your father. Like, I love the Fast and Furious movies with all my heart. The next one is always the best one because they're ridiculous. But it was in Fast 7 where Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, I love Hashalom. I miss that guy so much. We're having a moment and Paul Walker, like, looks at him like dead in the eye goes tell me about your father and i'm and it was like the most cliche thing in the world like there's no way that these two guys are having this conversation and then you hear that same thing with the same cut on this show with this trained therapist i was just like what is happening here like it's so bad it's so bad it's like classic bachelor come on but it's horrible like we can do better and again, it was to break Genevieve, but like, I don't think this is what they want to see. Like there are other ways to do this. In their defense, I will say that there are a lot of things, it's going to be a very uh, spiritual answer, that there are a lot of things that they do that we don't understand now, but when we get to the end or further on in the episode, then makes sense as why they showed it. Uh -huh. So I think that's probably part of what it is. Again, they probably did... The thing about Gabby's dad, because they're going to show Gabby's dad that she hasn't spoken right. about him. By the way, before we get to Genevieve specifically, how has Gabby made it this far? So Gabby is, you could tell she's really fun and funny and lighthearted, but also has this serious side. Like Again, what I liked best about her in her intro is she used to be a cheerleader for maybe the Cowboys. She's also an ICU nurse. Like that, I feel like is exactly who she is. Also, remember yeah. she dated Blake and Dean before. So she clearly has something going for her. And it seems like she's very goofy, but has a serious side, you know, kind of like fun loving. Well, then why haven't we seen more of her? I think we have actually. I think she's not in, so but not funny. in that, but not in that way, really. I feel like it's just been very like buttoned up with her. I know she had that moment of realness after the the Susie one on one date where she put the pillow over her face. Yeah. I was like, finally, some authenticity here that I've been craving for. I feel like she's got like the short end of the stick in terms of the edit, where it could have been I better. Actually I disagree. I find her so charming. She says it's more of these little moments where she says things and I find myself cracking up from her. I actually think she comes off great. I guess maybe I'm watching it like with something else in the background and I'm not, yeah. I'm not focusing on it, but whatever. I, okay. So Genevieve, right? Somebody who we both liked. Yeah. Your, your thoughts on, on this performance? I just think kind of what I touched on before, when they chose her to be a contestant, they were waiting for this moment. Like they built it up so much. 
I've never seen a human act like that. Honestly, she didn't even try to defend herself. She didn't try to tell him, I'm so sorry, just have these walls up. She didn't explain why she has these walls up. How has she ever been in a relationship ever? I mean, maybe she hasn't. I don't know. But how do you function? Also, this girl is a bartender. Something to me just feels like such a disconnect with her. Well, first of all, she was featured on Barstool Smoke shows like years ago. Yeah. So like I've seen her Instagram and like I know that she's absolutely stunning. But yeah, she's never going to ten bar the rest of her life because now she's going to be, you know, promotional model for yes. whatever and whatnot. Of course. She seemed like a robot, which leads yeah. me to ask the very question. Was she acting the entire time? And is she yeah. aspiring to be an actress? You think these were genuine feelings? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because the whole time, I liked her day one because I thought she was like really pretty and had this down-to-earth nature. But as I was she had watching personality episode, to her. Like she had some spunk. She, she had, had like an attitude. Yeah. Yeah. But if you watch, maybe I'm stereotyping what I think bartenders are, but most of a bartender's job is interacting with other humans. And I always felt like she was so serious and so intense. And to me, this all made sense. I was not surprised at all. I think she was extremely consistent the entire way through. I didn't feel like any of her interactions with Clayton seemed particularly romantic. She was never fun. She was always serious. She seemed always very closed and very intense. I thought this was extremely in line. I don't think she was acting at all. Interesting. There was a part of me, and there's still a part of me, when I went back to Sinead's accusation of, is she acting, where I was kind of like, Sinead may have something here. I couldn't even wrap my brain around the possibility that someone who's 26, who's... Just, and maybe because I'm so not that way, that someone could like really function in the world like this, you know, but also, you know, I, I followed her on Instagram. She's, and again, Instagram's not like the end all and be all, right? You're putting your, oh, look at what, what are we feeling like wearing today? Like whatever. I'm not saying that that's like real life or whatever, but it just seemed so rehearsed. Like, But maybe that's why she had to come on the show. Maybe she can't have a functioning relationship outside of the show. And that's why she thought, maybe she thought coming on this show would force her to open up. So for her going forward, do we think that she's going to be, you know, somebody who's going to figure it out if she's really like this I damaged think, yeah. or broken? I think she's going to go on Paradise. And I think she's going to also have been really embarrassed from what she saw. And her whole arc on Paradise is going to be... I, I watched myself back or I saw how I was and I couldn't open up and I've done therapy since and I'm really ready now. And I think someone like that would do a lot better in a group setting than a one-on-one. -on -one. That's fair. See, this is what this is why you're the pro. This is why I have you on. That, that's a fantastic take. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So we're down to the last four. What do we expect from hometowns? First of all, I just want to say one thing. I did a little bit of Hazara review before I came on with you because I thought I remembered my calls, but I wanted to make sure I did. I just have to say that I called the final four. Did you really? To yes. a T? To a T. Wow. And I call and when you said Teddy, I said, I think she's I think you're wrong. I think she's gonna be five or six. And I said the same about Genevieve. I said, I'm thinking Genevieve, but no, I think she's gonna be five or six. 
and wow. my initial and my initial call for winner, who at the time I just picked out of a hat, kind of like a feeling I got. I now totally think is correct. Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. The clear so, favorite right now. Yeah, but at the first day, I didn't know she was. So I just want to say that first. I'm patting myself on the back. Round of applause. Thank you. That Thank is you. excellent. With that knowledge now, I have to then give myself a bad back. That was close. Yeah, like, you definitely were close. You were close. Well, I mean, I had the last, last had six three out down. of four, I think. Yeah. yeah, I had yeah, the last yeah, six so, down yeah. and be, they were done within the final six as opposed to the final four. The Teddy thing, I'm shocked by the way that went. Because I, I know with The Bachelor versus The Bachelorette, the first impression rose generally is is not the same. But I just, I'm kind of surprised he, he didn't pick her. I'll, t- I'll tell you why I'm not and why I thought this from the beginning. It was a very, very quick intense relationship and then it was like a slow burn like it just kind of fizzled out really quickly and that tends to happen sometimes especially where I feel like the bachelor because of that tiktok I sent you sometimes they don't always go with their brain um the the conundrum of man we deal with this on a daily basis all right after about age of 12 or 13 this is what we deal with yeah, so you saw his reaction to her that first night from when she walked out of the limo. His, if his mouth could have dropped to the floor, it would have. But it's and funny I think- because I, I didn't get that vibe from her of her being like just drop dead gorgeous when she got out of the limo. Like she, I thought, she had I other thought she, things. She was, but his reaction to her showed that that's what he thought. He couldn't get over her. And when things go so quickly like that, if you notice... After the first two or three episodes, she you didn't really see her a lot. Right. Yeah. And that's because I think they didn't really have much. And and I've seen that happen time and time again, and especially with The Bachelor, where they have like a really quick, intense relationship with someone, which is usually initially based off of looks, understandably. But then they kind of because they're almost like a front runner in the beginning, they kind of put them to the back burner. But then what they don't realize they're doing is then they're not fostering that relationship and then they get to the point where it's the top five or the top six and they're like yeah I mean I really like her and I think she's really beautiful but now I have these much more intense relationships with these other four girls it was just a little weird I guess because I didn't view her as like the drop dead gorgeous out of the limo type and maybe I'm just projecting my own preferences in terms of looks but like I mean, I, I, you know, she's an attractive girl, but like she didn't strike me that way. Like there were a couple of other contestants on this, you know, season that were just like, whoa, like they walked out of the limo. But I just I was a little surprised. But the four choices he had are are good choices, like really good. Yeah, they'd be my choices of what he had left for sure. Well, clearly, because you nailed the predictions, (laughs) all of them. So what do we expect from hometowns? So I don't really feel like we know much about Serene in general. So I feel like I'm interested to see what her hometown is going to be like. I really don't think I know her at all other than the fact that she's gorgeous. That's really all I know about her. Yeah. It's funny how if you look back in the teasers, they were trying, they did all these Frankenbites and edits to try to make it look like Serene was going to be the bad guy. But she obviously wasn't. I don't think there's going to be really drama with the hometowns. None of these girls are particularly dramatic other than Gabby talking about her lack of relationship with her mom, no one seems to have any dramatic 
home life that we're aware of. And there's no I was real problem. Say, we don't, we don't know anything about their family lives except for the Gabby thing. We don't no. know. But the reason that I think that is because this hometown is going to be dramatic. This is probably where he drops to the three girls that he's in love with them. And that's going to be the drama that we then see throughout. So I don't think their hometowns per se will be dramatic. But I think this is where he's going to tell all those girls he loves them. And it's going to start that whole chain of events. Right. We've already seen the L-bomb dropped with Susie. Because she said it to him first. Yeah. Serena also said it first. Yeah. And Rachel, it's been hinted at. Yeah. So I think Gabby's toast after this week. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rachel is very obviously the girl crying on the stairs in like the teaser. Boy, it's either her or Susie. Yeah, but I always felt it was Rachel. I don't know. There was something about her. It's either Gabby or Serene. I don't know because I feel like I don't know enough about Serene to say one of them over the other. But there's no doubt in my mind that Rachel and Susie are the top two. I said that from the beginning, and I think Rachel is going to win and Susie's going to be the bachelorette, and I stand by that from day one until now. The teasers for the in love, I'm in love with three girls, also had Genevieve's face. If you go back... Oh, no, I don't pay attention to the faces because that's never it. What are we doing here? But yeah, I think Gabby's gone after this episode after Hometowns. I also think Rachel's going to win. I'm not sure if Susie's going to be the Bachelorette, but she'll be in the mix for something because she's she's great. I, I can't see him not picking Rachel. Yeah, and I think it's so crazy. Well, I think the only equivalent I can think of is he there was one season and there was a girl do you know emily maynard yes okay so emily maynard was oh brad womack that was his name so brad womack's second season emily maynard was on as a contestant from the moment she walked out of the limo it was as if no one else existed it was the only season where it was so obvious from day one and you never wavered in the fact that he was picking Emily, like never. Yeah, but we don't get that vibe with Rachel, though. Like, it's been like a slow ascend. And it's not as dramatic as Brad, but I think that hasn't, to me, it doesn't seem like there has been anyone else that he seems like he has the best connection with her by far. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I Um, I think so too. But it's funny how that kind of played out because it wasn't. It wasn't like in your face about it, almost. If you but know that's kind of why I think that's kind of why I think it's gonna work. I think she's been the most consistent. Like they've had a consistently good relationship that seems like it just keeps getting better each time they're together. And she's gotten multiple roses on the group date before the rose ceremony. Like that. Yeah. That's I, like I a think, signal of. I think he actually gave her two group date roses in a row, which they never do. It was um, something like that. It was two out of three. Like, I was like quick. And, and she didn't even have like major edits in these group dates either. That's what I'm saying. It's actually right. More dramatically, it shows how everyone else poured out their heart and she didn't say anything really. And she got the rose. And I think that's probably trying to show you how much he likes her. I mean, I thought it was really funny though. When this is the first time they showed any teaser of Clayton's conversation with his parents. And his dad was hilarious when he's like, well, of course they're mad. Why the heck would you tell free when you yes. love them? What's wrong with you? Yes. This has to be fantasy suite related. For sure, because the whole point is he said I was intimate with three of yeah. you. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to come back on after this. But yeah. last thing before we go, 
Let, let's talk Clayton for a second. What do we think of our boy Clayton so far? I actually really enjoy him. He seems very down to earth. He doesn't really get too involved in the drama. He hears something, he asks about it, and then he makes a decision either way. He doesn't like, belabor it over and over again. Once he realized Shanae was crazy, he sent her home. He didn't realize until then. The second he saw Genevieve wasn't for him, he's like, let me walk you out. This isn't going to work. I just find him very relatable. He doesn't seem so like dramatized by ABC. Like I think he follows the rules, but seems to be very true to himself. None of his relationships with these girls seem over the top. It really seems like he's a normal person in the world trying to get to know normal girls. It just happens to be that he's dating 30 of them. How do I say this without putting him down? Because it's not a put down. He just seems oblivious but like in the best way possible. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, he's not- He's not getting caught up in it. Yeah, he's just, he seems like a happy-go-lucky guy. Like it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot, like he's not like an overly sophisticated dude where he's not like complex. Like, you know, he just seems like a, a, a simple guy at like the most simple, basic, Maybe there's not a whole lot of real substance behind it, but I don't want it to sound like a bad thing because in a setting like this, it actually plays well. Yeah, I mean, I think again, and I feel like I mentioned this when we first spoke about it, he really gets back to the original formula that The Bachelor was and wants to get back to. He's, And again, I don't mean simple in a negative way. He's a simple guy from the Midwest who was a football player and he's a nice guy and he's good looking, you know, like it's not the Nick Viols of the world where these like complicated, dark people who are trying to get like into these people's souls. Like he's a nice looking, nice guy from the Midwest who people want to watch. And I think that's just where it stops. Do we think he trained physically enough for this show? think so but you're the expert on that so i don't want to step on your i, I just feel like i feel like when they had the underwear date when they ran around the underwear i think yeah. it was like gabby was that with gabby yeah, maybe i don't remember but yeah it's like you gotta make sure that that things are like super tight well before that i know we had the, we had the conversation with ari your boy no no okay. well, that's admitted, and he admitted okay. it First of all, that is a different scenario. He was told three days before they no, started. Of he did what, it I love, what, I, what I love about that is he admitted it. It was funny. Yeah. I, I was the, like, I the appreciate that. The difference about Clayton, and I want to say in his defense, and again, I've heard this more from Bachelorette, but like Ali Fedotowski, she's probably before your time. But when she was a Bachelorette, you also noticed a difference. And she came out saying, you're on the show and all you're doing is drinking a ton eating you're not really working out so he probably looked really good when it started and then kind of things went to the wayside you're exhausted the last thing you want to do is work out you're drinking a ton you're eating like all this stuff that he probably wouldn't normally do and i think you know he's focused on love well matt james found a way to work out during his season but matt james is a beast well matt james is a terrible athlete a legit terrible athlete. He was on the, um, this is a little bit of a uh, uh, a tangent, but he was on the uh, NBA uh, for All-Star Weekend. He was part of the celebrity game. He is okay. a horrific basketball player. Like horrible, absolutely does he, horrible. Does he say that he's an amazing basketball player? 
He made it seem like, and they made it seem like on his season that he was this unbelievable athlete. Like, I know he played Well, he was a football player, yeah. Okay, but there's most football players have a certain level of baseline coordination where they're good at other sports. I can't speak to sports. That's your I I was just like, I was dumbfounded. But yeah, awful, awful. And his running style, as we spoke about on his season, is... I just I'm not I'm not in on the Matt James thing. But anyway, I just feel like, you know, Clayton, there's certain times where you just you got to know that you're going to have the shower scene. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised that when we see him at after the final rose, he's a bit more tight. Understood. Understood. Okay, wait, I have a question for you. One last question. Do you think that whoever he chooses, we're saying, Rachel, do you think they're still together? No, I don't. I, I don't either. Feeling. I don't either. I, I just, as great as the relationship with Rachel seems, there's something about it that just seems so superficial. I just think, by the way, I always try to base it off of the way that they like interact on social media while it's all going on. He just seems too interactive. Like, I feel like if he. I don't, fo- I don't the- follow him, so maybe I have to. He was still with the person. I just feel like he wouldn't be focus on her a little bit, right? You wouldn't be as out and doubt about it. Maybe he would be not more, not that anything he says is insensitive. I just think, I don't know. It's just the the sense that I get. I could be totally wrong. He could just be someone who loves social media, but I just feel like something, something makes it feel like he's not with anyone. Not that I think he's necessarily upset about it, but I think he's just not with anyone. That's my call. And just to tie it back, like that Rachel's going to be the winner. Like there's, if Susie's the runner-up, I feel like there's l- even l- a little bit less of that, like, real connection with Susie, as great as Susie is. Like, I, I always think that there's something a little bit missing. I don't know. It's just the yeah. sense I get. I don't know. I- it's just the vibe. I- I- I'm really not going it off anything else, but just, like, Yeah. Well, vibe. you know, it's important for us to record these conversations, like the first one, so that we can see if we're right at the end. Too. It's true. It's true. You're right. All right, Lizzie. This is great. As always, we're going to have to check in with you in about two weeks after Fantasy Suites. And obviously, after the final rose, we're going to do it again. So uh, thanks so much. Cannot for wait. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. See you. Bye. Thanks again to recurring guest Lizzie Verstendig for coming on for analyzing The Bachelor. It's getting hot and heavy in The Bachelor. Always good stuff with her. She's a fantastic guest. Love doing these episodes. And that's episode 145 for the love of the game. Take us out. G Unit. Never saw you. Come here, let me touch on you. I let you touch on me. Put my tongue on you, you put your tongue on me. Let me ride on you, and you can ride on. We can do it all at night. We can have a ball at night.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.